0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians is well three-quarters of the way back in a paper Bible. Um, You can use your device if you want to look it up that way. To get us started... I'm going to tell you a little bit about a friend I had years ago. I was in my early 20s. His name was Jack. And uh, I don't know what's going on in Jack's life now. But I remember a few things about Jack, two things that I'll share. One, Jack was one of the first people that I ever met that was in a a significantly different um, socioeconomic place as i was basically he made a lot more money than i'd ever met a person before have you met did you know there are people out there like that and uh, by the way some of you may be in the situation that's awesome i'd love to be your friend but just kidding no but like for example we were renting office space and jack and his company owned the office space it was there was this difference thing side note just because a person has material possessions or things seem to be going really well for them or maybe they've got great hair just even if they have great hair it doesn't necessarily mean they are so good that they don't need Jesus amen we cannot does that make sense every one of us no matter what we look like on the outside or looks like financially we all have a place in us that will never be filled with anything except God okay and I actually had the privilege of talking to Jack about God and, and watched him uh, make a commitment to Christ. Anyway, back to Jack. Remember going over to his office, and uh, this is not a picture of his office, but his office looked something like that, which was different. I know some of you have an office like that, that's really, I remember going in, Do you ever just try not to look stupid when you're like, whoa, you know, I did that. And I remember feeling like, is it okay to sit in these chairs? Because these would be like no touchy chairs at my house. We don't but you know, like sitting in the chairs. It was just that. I remember uh, visiting Jack's house, and uh, we. Uh, it was kind of cool because, like, I'd driven past golf courses before, and but he actually lived on a golf course, and outside of his back window was a a, a green. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! Went into his living room, and it looked. It was. It, it this wasn't it. But it was one of those, again, like, holy cow. This is, this is, this is different than my place, Jack. Um, so he just was in a good place financially. That was one thing I remember about Jack. Uh, the other thing was months into our friendship, and it may have been more than a year, he shared with me something I didn't know. And I think it was because I offered him something to eat at some point, And he said, oh, actually, you know, I, I can't eat that. And he shared that for basically... As I recall, his whole life, he had suffered from um, major uh, food allergies. So he shared, if I remember right, because it stuck in my brain, he said, like, when I was young, if I was just in a room where someone would fry an egg, that was potentially life-threatening to me. That meant emergency room. So it wasn't just he had a peanut allergy. It was he had multiple things that, does that make sense? And it struck me. Two things that came to mind when I found out that about him. Because how many know that would be complex and scary and hard? And if you're in that situation, right, that's probably complex and scary and hard. But two things came to my mind right in the midst of that moment, I think. One was, wow, that would have to be difficult. And then the second thought was, Jack, you've done pretty well in the midst of probably some serious challenges. Does that make sense? It apparently didn't derail his life. That brings up a question for us. How do I respond to hardship? You, not me, well, me too, but you. How do you respond? Uh, You could also insert there pain. Difficulty, suffering, challenge. How do you respond? Another way to frame the question is, does pain derail my life? want to simplify it even further, are you a good sick person or a bad sick person? (laughs) Well, the reality is the answer to those questions, like that question, or can we go back to the other question? the, The answers to those questions, how we respond to those things is huge on how we will navigate life because can i can we just agree because suffering pain hardship challenge is part of life amen i mean that's just the reality of it physical pain how many of you are hurting right now right you got some of all us old people like oh. Yeah. Pray for me, pastor. Right? It just happens. It doesn't have to be just an old thing. Young people, right? Because you're you're like working out and stuff. All those horrible things you do when you're young. And it hurts. Pain, Pain is part of life. Financial messes for most of us are part of the deal. Heartbreak. Emotional punches to the stomach. How many of you have had one of those? Right? The the guy you thought was going to be the best date ever just ripped your heart out. Or emotional things. I was driving this last week, and I was, uh, I could show you the spot on the road a mile from our house. I was talking to a friend on the phone, and all of a sudden, I just felt sad. Do you guys ever, I It was just this, I didn't even know, maybe it was the, you know, the 10-day Michiana permacloud that we live in, but I, because, you know, the windshield wipers are going wah, 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 (laughs) I just, I don't even know why, but it just, like, was just there, it just happens, it's part of life. and I know those examples are nothing compared to some of the things that you might be dealing with right now because it's cancer time. Or, right? Those things. Just to be clear, the Bible does not avoid the reality that ever since sin entered the picture, suffering has been part of the deal. Adam and Eve First human beings created, after sin entered the picture, they had to deal with one of their sons killed their other son. A guy named David in the Old Testament, really kind of a model for following God, 13 years of his life was spent running from kind of a psychotic king who regularly just wanted to chuck a spear at him and kill him. It was 13 years. Abraham and Sarah, father's mother of the faith, part of their story was years and years and years and years of wanting to have a baby and it just wouldn't happen. Years, decades of, I just want a baby and, I wouldn't, it, it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't happening. In the New Testament, if you're unaware, there are 12 apostles, 12 guys that were really in Jesus' inner circle. Uh, As best we can tell historically, 11 out of the 12 died a horrible, painful, unnatural death. A couple Bible verses. 2 Timothy 3.12 Everyone who wants to give a God, live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Colossians 1.24, Paul, writer of much of the New Testament, it says, I rejoice in what I am suffering. John 16.33 says to us, in this world you will have trouble. Welcome to the vineyard, to the happy thought capital of the world, No, hold those thoughts. We're wrapping up a series called This New Life, Bringing Clarity on a Walk with God. Today we're going to get some insight into how to navigate seasons of suffering. And uh, we're going to learn from a couple of verses written by the Apostle Paul, who was a great example of both success, led thousands of people to Christ, super successful, like, You know, wrote a bunch of the New Testament in the Bible. We're talking about him today, two thousand years later. That's success. He's also an example of suffering. He had, well, we don't know, we don't have clarity on it, but he had some kind of a thorn in the flesh, probably a physical ailment that he went to God three times, begged God, "Will you heal it? Will you heal it? Will you heal it?" Finally, God basically said, "No, you're going to live without the rest of your life." He said, "My grace is sufficient." So that's Paul. Besides that, there are places in the Bible where it lists some of the things he went through, where he was regularly in prison. He had been beaten with a whip or a flaw, been flogged five times. He'd been beaten with rods three times. He probably had scars all over his body. Um, he spent a night, in one place it records, he spent a night and a day in the open sea after a shipwreck. That's the kind of stuff that we would do a movie about. He's been, he've been through those things, and he's apparently in a challenging season now while he writes these verses we're going to learn from today. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned, Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. I want to add to that verse 16 where he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Title of the talk this weekend is, A New Resilience, God's Perspective on Suffering. And basically, we're going to, I'm going to try to address or answer the question, how do you suffer successfully? So let me pray. And uh, so, Father, for some people, this is going to be super relevant right now because we're just in a season that's maybe a day or a week or a season of challenge. For others, it may not be right now, but it's coming next week or next year. And so will you plant these seeds deep in us so that we might not be derailed by pain? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there, there's more than this in the text, but I want to point out two things the first idea is this, successful suffering requires an unusually positive perspective. An unusually, if you're writing something down, an unusually positive perspective. You may have noticed this in the text where Paul says, he's, by the way, he's listing the bad stuff We are hard-pressed, but he includes the good stuff. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And I think the uncommon thing with Paul is he doesn't just dwell on some of the He doesn't just note some of the bad stuff, but he includes some of the good stuff. If it were me, or I think maybe many of us, and someone said, hey, how's it going? Our list would be different than that. We would just say, well, I'm hard-pressed on every side. It's very perplexing. I'm being persecuted, and I'm taking some hits. It would be easy to just share that, but I feel like you see what Paul, he's, he's including these positive things. I imagine him like doing some, like a, like the, like a, a fist thing, or a, like I'm hard pressed on every side, but I ain't crushed, baby. Or something that brings balance to what could have been just a negative situation. Yeah, I'm perplexed, but don't, but don't be deceived. I'm not in despair. There's difference between being perplexed and being in despair. I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I've got brothers and sisters around me. I've got God is with me. He's noting the positive things. I'm struck down, but I'm not dead yet. Still breathing. You can write this in. Paul has an uncommon ability to see the bright side. And I, if I were going to rewrite that, I would put include the bright side. It's not bad to acknowledge the challenges, but you've got to include the bright side. If we're going to make it through, he has an uncommon ability to see the bright side. You ready? Old movie illustration. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Those of you who've never heard of Monty Python, oh, you're missing it. Monty Python, old movie series. How many of you have heard of Monty Python? Okay, a bunch of us. Even if you're young, I don't know if you ever heard of Monty Python. Okay, so I'm so sorry. You can YouTube this. You can YouTube this very, if you just YouTube, like, Google Monty Python, the Black Knight. You can find this whole thing. All right? So, again, we're talking about being uniquely positive. The Black Knight, I think I can walk you through the scenario. By the way, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, is a comedy spoof Goofy, my kind of movie. Goofy kind of a movie where King Arthur is in search of the communion cup that Jesus used during, with communion at, with his disciples. So he's on this quest to find it. Here's the first picture. King Arthur on the left, traveling through the woods, and he comes up against the Black Knight, who's an interesting character. Basically, there's a little bridge there. And uh, the king wants to go through, and the black knight says, none shall pass. And so they end up in a sword fight. And not far into the sword fight, King Arthur cuts off the black knight's arm. Next slide. And some amazingly realistic theatrical blood goes shooting out of his shoulder, kind of like a garden hose. As the guy stands there, and so, so, do you remember in this? So, uh, uh, so, King Arthur says, "I have won. Let me pass." Something like that, and the Black Knight says, "It's just a scratch," and wants to keep fighting. This, he says, "It's just a scratch." This, he wants to keep fighting. So, they, like they do the sword fight some more, and then, so King Arthur then cuts off his other arm. Next slide. So the guy's got no arms. And his response to no arms, because King Arthur says, yes, of course, now I have won the battle. And the guy says, it's just a flesh wound. He's got no arms, and he's got comical blood spur- spurting out bones. You should watch it. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, and, and by the end of the story, the black knight has no arms, no legs. He's on the, the ground, and he's saying, I'm fine, why are you running away? Come back and I'll bite your kneecaps off, because that's what he says. So basically, the black knight has a ridiculous ability, a ridiculous ability to dismiss pain and focus on what he still has. And here's the transition. I would submit to you that a mature follower of Christ has some of that in them. A mature, as we grow in Christ, there is some of that in us. Yes, we can we, we can acknowledge the difficulty, but more than that, oh, we see the good things that are still working. So, Paul, a writer, the writer of the book of Philippians, he's in prison. And By the way, so you would think, oh, prison bad. But he shares in this letter that he writes to his brothers and sisters. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has, look at this, actually, because they're probably thinking, oh, Paul, we're so sad that you're in prison and this is bad. And he says, no, 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 no. He says, actually, what has happened to me actually has served to advance the gospel. And he goes on to say, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Basically, that's Bible language. Oh, you think this is bad? No, it's really awesome because now I have a platform to witness to the guards, baby. He's like, I get to share. Does that make sense? See that? Instead of just, oh, I'm in prison. It's, oh, yeah, here's what God's doing. Another new example for me was in Acts chapter 7, where a man named Stephen is about to be killed by probably some of the same people that yelled crucify Jesus. He's just done a speech about the gospel and the crowd is really mad and they're going to drag him out and beat him with stones until he's dead. So you'd think, like Stephen, this is really bad. But it said, it says... In there it says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, when things are looking really bad for most people with their perspective, he would say, it looks up to heaven, and he sees the glory of God. And he focuses on, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I can just imagine if you're part of the crowd, you're going, why is that guy smiling? He's about to die. And it's because he's looking at something different. I don't know how cognitively aware he is, but he's like, "Whoa, that's my Lord, and he's standing up, and maybe he knew, I'm about to be there. Different perspective. So to bring this idea into the room, what perspective do I bring when trials come? Do I let them overwhelm or consume my thoughts? Or am I growing in Christ? Or am I, have I grown up enough to know, wait a minute, God's at work and this is still going on? Ugh. Gosh, we miss so much. If we let something bad, a season of suffering consume us. And we think, well, now the only opportunity in my life is to endure suffering. There's something else going on. Can I just say that? There's something else going on. There's another spiritual responsibility we can engage in. There's something else we can do for other people. There's always, unless you're dead, there's always something God is doing in our life. There is opportunity there. And I just want to, do I want to do this? Let's just understand the realities. We're going to have to think and believe like many, many, many people around us culturally because we're living in a world where we should, can we maybe agree on this? We should, most of us, we should just be grateful for America. We should be grateful for the fact that most of us, I'm guessing like virtually all of us, we had a place to stay last night. We had, you know, food. We got food. We got, pl- we got plenty of food. How I many most of us, like, And by the way, if you don't have food, we live in a culture where there's free food different places. You just got to get there, and they'll give you free food, right? And yet, culturally, we are so much just looking at what we don't have instead of being grateful for what we do have. And and for us to live differently and endure suffering, we're going to have to think and be different than many, many, many people. There's a challenge here in this. When I was submitting my notes to some people that I get feedback from, uh, they encouraged me to share some practical uh, hints on maybe how do we stay pa- positive. So here are three things that came to my mind. These are not on your notes, but just in, in my life, a positive perspective, it takes time. So for me, it's a journey. You might not just have a switch somewhere. You go, bing, all of a sudden. I'm, you'll have to pursue and decide, I'm going to start not just being down on stuff. I'm going to start looking toward long-term change. So that was one one hint. The other one is it may require a decision. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he chose to say, Lord, not my will, but your will. That was not an emotional decision. It was, we have control over where we go, what we submit to, how we endure. Everybody smile right now. You can decide to do it. Even if you're having a bad day, you're not going to do it, are you? But can I just say, if you choose this right now, some of you think this is stupid, but even if you're thinking this guy's an idiot, if the smile on your face, which is a decision you can make, makes things just a little brighter, don't they? No? How many of you feel just a little better now? How many think this is dumb and we should move on? All right, I'll do it. But we choose that. We get to choose those things. Ah, okay, maybe a decision. Uh, the the last hint is it's affected by input. It's affected by input. What are you listening to? How much are you watching the extremely negative stuff? What kind of podcasts? What kind of people have you gathered around you? you got to filter that stuff. Uh, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Our input makes a difference. So that was... That was the first point. It takes an unusually positive perspective, successful suffering. One more. Successful suffering requires a significantly inward focus. We're gonna talk about our inner life. We'll get to the text in a moment. A month ago-ish, six weeks ago, I don't know, my wife found an old picture. Now, for those of you who don't know what a picture is, it's when you take what's on your phone and you print it onto paper. It's called a picture, or I don't know, it's a photograph. She's found, this, found a photograph, and you know every once in a while if you have photographs, like in a drawer, she's just like, like oh, where's this come from? She found this photograph. It's over 20 years old, and so she put it up on the refrigerator. And it's a picture of, uh, I was building uh, a little, uh, little barn in our backyard, and my kids are in the picture, and I'm about to show you the picture. It could be awkward, but here we go. Here's the picture that's on the fridge. That's me and my kids. And can I just be honest with you? The first thing I thought about when I saw the picture was not how cute my kids are or what the heck were we doing with that barn. The first thought was that body is totally gone. (laughs) Okay, we can take the picture off the screen now. That does not exist anymore. I'm sorry, Kathy. I'm like, wow, look at that st- Nope, that stomach is totally different now. Okay. So let's go to our text, shall we? Verse 16 says, here's the biblical principle. It says, Paul records, outwardly, we, outwardly we are, say it, wasting away. Can I get an amen? Some of you don't need convincing. Some of you young people, at some point, you'll be like, it ain't never going to happen to me. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Just to include you in this, Isaiah 40, verse 6 says, all people, even you, stud, all people, even you, babe, are like grass. The grass, <laughs> here's your destiny, everybody, withers, flowers, flowers, fall, if you want to write a fun word out to the side, just write down decomposition. (laughs) Physically, it's gonna happen, and it's happening. And while it happens, this is the reality, and some of us know it well now. Most of us have have experienced it in some fashion. While something's decomposed, it hurts. It's going to hurt, and sometimes it's just going to be pain for a while, or sometimes it's just going to be sore. Sometimes the decomposition is going to end up in a season of soreness, a season of something not working right. It's going to be there. That's in the physical realm. Let's get to the second half of the verse. So he says, outwardly we're wasting away, yet this is the good news. This is the secret. This is the key to navigating suffering. He says, yet inwardly, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Here's a fill in the blank. This is the idea. Although our bodies are destined to fall apart, and that's going to include pain, Our spirits are designed to rise above. And I would argue, this is the cool thing about living for, by the way, if you're considering following Jesus, maybe you're away from God, you should should so follow Jesus. Because Jesus gives us a capacity to have an inner life that overcomes the, the decomposition of the outer life. How did Paul make it through the suffering? It's because inside he was thriving. And although we are destined to suffer in the outwardly we're supposed to waste, waste away, we can, we will waste away. Inwardly there is this exciting opportunity we can be renewed day by day, which means tomorrow I could be stronger in my inner life than I am today. And a week from now I could be stronger than ever in my life. If I do this for a year or two or three, this inside stuff is the key to managing the outside, the, the, even the emotional trauma, the emotional stuff up here. If like I'm, I'm really sad, if my inner life is strong, then I can take on the emotional challenge and the relational junk. So much of this, you guys, if we're gonna, if we're gonna thrive, make it through the challenges. It is going to be because our inner life is strong. And that is the opportunity of knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, reading our Bibles, learning how to pray, not having a schedule that sucks us dry because God says you're going too fast. You're going too fast. Your soul can't keep up with where you're going. You've got to slow down and feed your spirit. All that stuff, is the opportunity that God gives us through Christ. Paul could suffer, be beaten, be shipwrecked, and he's okay because his inner life is strong. Stephen can be facing physical death And he's looking up to heaven and smiling because his inner life is strong. Last fill in the blank. How am I doing at nurturing my inner life? Is there a phone ringing for me? Just pass it forward, I'll talk to him. The next time we're in the midst of a challenge, challenging day, challenging week, physical suffering, emotional pain, can I just challenge you, don't first think I need a pill. First thing, think I need God and I need to take care of my inner life. The f- the. You know, the, the next time, you, you know, you're in physical pain, don't, the first thing, don't think, I need surgery. First thing, think, first thing, I should be attending to my inner life. Because you know you can have a surgery, and you can come out of the surgery and still be in pain. The next time things get kind of hard, don't, the first thing, <laughs> the first thing, don't think, I need a different wife. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, don't go there first. Because the next wife's not going to be, it's, she's probably worse. I don't know. Or I need a new, does this make sense? The next time I, I the next time, man, what I, what I really, really need is I need God to answer this prayer for my kids because they're so messed up. What we really, really need, yes, keep praying the prayer, but what we really need is an inner life that will take us through those challenges. Because can I, this is prophetic prediction of your life. No matter how much you hard, you work at everything coming in the future, there's still going to be some things that get painful and ugly and weird and bad. And so you're going to have to have, I'm going to have to have an inner life that sustains me. It's the way it works. Why don't you stand? We'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.